This is Steve Colfer, head coach at Cabrini University. You are listening to More Than a Club Podcast. Welcome to the More Than a Club podcast with Marty Cuprian and Bill Lane. Welcome to More Than a Club podcast, episode 12 of season two. I'm your host, Bill Leahy, along with Coach Marty Cuprian, youth director here at Next Sports. And we are glad to be back with you to honor again our athletes, our parents, and our listeners who have been such avid supporters of our program. Today, we welcome back uh, Dr. Mitch Green. Thanks, Bill. Excited for today's episode. It's our first callback guest. Dr. Green is a tremendous resource for all of us. He did some great work with our club this past winter. We're excited to hear more about that and more. Uh, I'd like to welcome Dr. Mitch Green of Green Psych in Haverford, PA. Welcome, Dr. Green. Thank you, Coop, and thank you, Coach. Thrilled to be back. So, Coach, it's been a year since we had you on last. You are our first return guest by popular demand, the most listened to of all of our episodes. So I guess congratulations. <laughs> very, very appreciative of that. My wife uh, wasn't that impressed, but um, I'm impressed. And um, um, I'm really humbled and happy to be back. Really, am. thank you. Well, I know our listeners are thrilled to have you back. And the last time we met was January of 2020. How different our world has become since the last time you were with us in person and, and today's virtually. That's just one small example. But we've been through a difficult election, civil unrest, a pandemic. So what's that been like for you since we last saw you as a psychologist? You know, typically as a psychologist, when you talk with your clients, you know, they tell you about an experience they're having and you try to figure out how to put yourself into their shoes so you can really get where they're coming from and appreciate the challenges that they're facing. But in this case, I'm going through everything my clients are going through, essentially. Mm -hmm. I'm dealing with, with change and disruption uh, and worry and fear um, at different points, uh, the same way my, my clients are. It's one of those rare occasions where, where we're all really clearly in this together. And, you know, and I, there was always a comment when the NBA team was in the bubble that the psychologist there talked about talking with those players about all the uns they're dealing with. And by uns, we mean words like uncertainty, unknowing, uneasiness, unpredictability, unexplained, unfamiliar, uncomfortable, unbelievable, unprecedented, unexpected and unfathomable, right? Wow. All these things, all the uns is the best way I can talk about what we're all trying to deal with. And it's hard to wrap our collective heads around, around these circumstances. And we are all, we're all working together. And I'm, I'm working with so many young people trying to help them come out of this with their, their mental health intact. Um, and hopefully their, their spirit uh, intact as well. So, um, uh, you know, it has been an unbelievably unique time, Bill and, uh, and Coop. And, um, uh, but, you know, we'll get to this maybe a little bit later. There's been some silver linings also during this. There's been some opportunity here um, despite the hardship that has, um, that has really uh, been, been a pleasure to see. And I'm happy to share some of those uh, as we get to it later on in the, in the pod. 
Yes, yeah, so many of those amazing unwords and challenging unwords revolve around loss. And we've lost so much our sense of safety. We've lost our seasons. We've lost loved ones. We've just lost an awful lot. And um, it's kind of hard to put your mind around that. So I could use some silver linings. You want to get into a couple of them just to make me smile? Well, in a very, you know, for all the lacrosse players out there, just to focus on that, you know, I've had people come in and want to talk who said, you know what? If there was a regular season and everything was moving along regularly, I never would have come in to talk to you, Doc. But you know what? I did know in the back of my mind, I struggled with my mental game, whether it was my on the field mental game, my off the field mental game. And I have been pleasantly surprised by how many people came in to talk and said, you know, this has got me thinking I have some things I need to work on. And some of those guys and gals are now back at their schools. And, you know, I'm talking about some people at the college level, some at the high school level, I'm getting ready to play or just started playing. And so the silver lining is, you know, people sometimes realize they had to deal with some stuff and this time off has been a silver lining. There's been a silver lining for injured athletes, mm. for some injured athletes during this time. You know, this isn't maybe purely lacrosse related, but I work with a number of athletes training for the Olympics. And um, I have some people doing starting the Olympic trials this week down in Florida with some of the crew people I work with and um, some wouldn't have had the opportunity if the trials was last year um, and they are finding a silver lining. They had more time to train. They had more time to heal up. Um, so that just gives you a sense that for some people uh, they found opportunity to talk and share COVID maybe brought them in, but there's more than COVID that they're, they're finding themselves really benefiting from talking about. And I think that they're, is hope on the horizon, right? As a silver lining, we can almost, we can see it. We can't necessarily feel it, but people are being vaccinated. And so we're athletes and so are parents. And I, and I guess kind of off the cuff, we're in February, it's dark. March isn't much better, although hopefully our seasons will be starting. Any advice when you can see the tunnel, maybe in the distance that you're going to get out of this cave eventually in the next year, but it just seems so close, but yet so far. And we're in such a difficult kind of time of the season where it's dark. And I, I see so many guys at LaSalle who are just struggling with, uh, with it being February and wanting to get out there and wanting to get to a better place, but we're just not there yet. Yeah. Well, you know, you're reminding me that negativity can become really contagious, mm. you know, and if I had the group of guys at LaSalle or any group of guys, I'd really want to be talking to them about, you know, really being, realizing they have choice a little bit, they can be upset and they can be worried, but they, they do have choice in realizing kind of when they want to share, can they, can they practice more optimism? You know, I'm not telling them not to worry and I'm not telling them not to have doubts, but you know, it's, if you start being kind of an energy sucker, the way you might talk about negativity on a team, mm -hmm. right? The guy who's sort of focusing on, we lost to those guys last time. We're never going to beat those guys, right? They start saying that out loud. Everybody starts to feel the weight of it. So, you know, I want people to be aware that, that words are like bricks. And um, if we say, uh, you know, if we voice too much negativity, we wind up bringing the whole, the whole group down. And so I'm not telling you there's not a place to be worried, but I think it's important to practice optimism and be careful in how we speak. We'll find that it affects the other people. And if we could find some optimism, it could, it could impact us uh, as well. I love when we talk with Mitch. I always fill up my paper trying to keep up with uh, some of the phrases. So um, I'll schedule some office hours after this. We like to open up 
with a youth sports hot topic, something for parents. Let's continue talking about the mental health for athletes. What are some warning signs parents and coaches should be more aware of? You know, the one thing I want to say off the bat is um, parents shouldn't assume that your kids really aren't that worried about COVID. Um, I, I think that stress is there. It's an invisible stress of the pandemic that takes up a lot of our conscious space and unconscious space in our brains as parents, but in our kids' brains as too, especially the older kids who kind of maybe feel like they have more at stake, you know, losing out on educational opportunities, uh, of course, and missing out on some athletic opportunities as well. Now, while the audience here might be more high school and younger, an NCAA report is worth mentioning that just came out two days ago, a study that was followed up from the fall. Um, and um, while the numbers are still good, there's astronomically high amount of, of, um, of anxiety and depression in our college student athletes, record setting numbers and COVID concerns is at the top of the list. And again, I understand college kids are facing different circumstances than our high school kids and then our middle school kids, but I just think it's worth mentioning in general that, that COVID is there whether we you know, notice it or not. Um, uh, the other piece in terms of concerns, Mar and Coop, in terms of giving you some things to think about and for your parents to think about, the first thing I mentioned is isolation. You know, it is much easier to sort of isolate in one's room because you're in your house much more than ever and kind of never come out and your life is on your phone and your life is on your on your laptop. And so, uh, you know, parents understand that teens are going to want their privacy and they're going to want their space and they're going to want to be on electronics. But if you find your son or daughter is isolating themselves too much and has not followed any routine, you know, that's the other piece, not having a routine to follow. Um, which is which is difficult because the structure has fallen apart now. The general normal structure of going to practice, going to school, eating lunch, warming up, all those things, carpooling that we have is normal structure. And when there's decreased structure, there's increased anxiety. Increased structure, decreased anxiety. So having those routines, which create structure, are really important, as challenging as it can to be able to structure those routines it's really important. I know coaches are trying to do that with their players as much as possible. I think the other piece for the athletes that are listening or the parents of athletes is sports, you know, is often is, you know, the endorphins that you get from running around and playing the stress relief that comes from playing lacrosse, let's say, is obviously not the same, but we want parents and we want kids to try to pivot, you know, going for a run with your dog, maybe just as endorphin releasing uh, or close to endorphin releasing as getting out there with your stick. And that that should suffice for now. Um, uh, you know, going around and throwing a Frisbee around with your buddies in the backyard with somebody, finding some way to stay active. Sometimes people get stuck into like, if I'm not running, you know, five miles a day, then it's not worth it. But running two miles or one mile or for 20 minutes is worth it. If I'm not doing stick work with my team, it's not worth it. No, doing five minutes or 20 minutes of stick work is worth it. We want, we want people to understand some amount of training or just moving your body as an endorphin release. The other thing on, on the other end of the spectrum to be looking out for is overtraining. Uh, we have as many kids coming to us where we're concerned because they have so much time 
And because they don't know what to do with their time, they're actually training multiple times a day and they're burning themselves out. The kids who are constantly exhausted, that's one of the signs to look for in terms of overtraining. Uh, being exhausted could have to do with other things as well, but we have to be careful on the lookout for some kids are, some kids are finding really great ways to connect with their friends and working out in garages and in outdoor spaces, which I love, but some kids are doing it on their own, kind of behind the scenes, sometimes even keeping it in secret. And that's one of the big concerns of us with overtraining. Um, being demotivated is just the last thing, right? That's on the lookout. You know, your kids are, or many kids are struggling with motivation at this point. You know, I get a lot of questions about motivation. Kids come to me and talk to me about their lack of motivation and, you know, having a routine, we're really talking more about being disciplined than being motivated and kids learning that just because you don't feel like it doesn't mean it's not something you shouldn't do. You know, motivation isn't the criteria for, for moving, right? If we all felt motivated, you know, every time we went to the gym, it would be wonderful. But we all know we have to push through with the idea that if we find something that's fun to do, find something that's enjoyable to do, even if it's not lacrosse um, uh, and are disciplined in trying to do it, the motivation will come afterwards. So you use the word pivot. I love that. I've been looking for that word because there's so many guys and my own teenagers. I just see them in a rut, right? We're at that dark time, like I mentioned in February, and they just seem rutted, if that's even a word. Just They've fallen into the routine of staying in their bed for virtual. They've fallen into the routine of eating poorly. They've fallen into the routine of easily for the next episode of Blacklist on Netflix, right? They just, and they're easy things to do. And the idea of pivoting and finding like a new vibe, like you said, whether it be a Frisbee or going downstairs to work out or an extra different type of run, that it, that gets guys, or in my daughter's case, get moving in a new direction. And I see an almost an immediate kind of reflective smile, or they got the juices flowing, or at least they're out of their bed. Right. That's right. Anything that kind of helps keep the fire burning. And I, I think sometimes we can be very uni-focused. Like if it's not lacrosse related, if we focus on lacrosse, it's not worth it, which I think is, which again is, is, um, is a mistaken uh, way to look at it. This is an opportunity, you know, again, these, we talked about silver linings. This is an opportunity to develop other aspects of yourself beyond who you are just as a lacrosse player, you know, about, you know, other physical things that you might want to do, other things in your life that you want to do. It doesn't, doesn't all have to be sport related, right? You know, taking on new classes, taking on new challenges, you know, being a better friend, um, organizing things for your buddies, um, uh, the pivot could be the word for 2021, which is we all, and you Coop and you coach and me as well, have had to find ways to pivot because the things that I normally would do in my day have been absolutely disrupted. Um, I, I've been, so um, I'm glad you, you picked up on that one uh, coach, because um, we want to, we want people to know that fun can come in all different packages, not just with just doing the same thing we've always done. So if a parent is concerned, they are noticing some of the red flags you mentioned, what are their first action steps to help their loved one? Yeah, I think, um, I think being able to talk with your youngster, and I understand timing is everything, and it's hard to find the quote-unquote right time to talk, but you really want to lead with empathy. It's very easy to get angry. Um, I should mention I'm the parent of three college-age kids, so I speak personally, not just professionally here. 
it's easy to get angry because your son or daughter, <clears throat> you know, isn't kind of keeping up in the way that you think they should be keeping up. And so instead of approaching them with kind of what are you, why you, you know, what's wrong with you, basically, you want to, you want to come from a space of saying, I'm noticing how hard it is for you. You know, is there any way that I can help? Is there any, is there any way that I can help you? Because I know, you know, this isn't really you right now. This is, this is you struggling. Um, you know, it's not necessarily what you say to them. I don't want parents to worry so much. It's how you show up with them. Do you show up in a way that says, you know what, I can handle this? Because, because if parents can't manage their own fear and their own anxiety, they're going to show up trying to over control their own kids. So being able to show up with empathy in the way that I'm talking about requires you as a parent to be able to manage your own anxiety. We don't want hypocrisy here, ladies and gentlemen. We want, we want you to handle what you need to handle and then come to your kids and, and being able to show them that it's okay not to be okay. This is a time where it really is okay to, to not know what to do next and how to handle things. It's again, all the uns are in play. You know, and of course, being able to sort of see if they could reach out for help. People like myself, and there's plenty of wonderful people in the area and across the country, you know, sometimes talking about us as coaches of sorts, they don't have to think of us as shrinks. They could think of us as coaches, which I, is how I position myself oftentimes, which is I'm not going to help you with X's and O's, and I'm not going to work on dodging with you, but I'm going to help you on the inner game with the mental game. And that, um, for parents too, to know that there's plenty of professional athletes right now that are sharing their own story, their own journey, whether it's Paul Rabiel of the PLL um, or athletes uh, from NBA basketball, Major League Baseball, um, the WNBA. There's more athletes talking about their own struggles and that they needed to go for help. Sometimes sharing some of those stories with your kids can help them feel less stigmatized by the idea that that getting help, um, you know, is a bad thing. They can come to see it's a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. So moving on to our X and O inside of the week, something for coaches. You spent four sessions working with all of the next boys lacrosse club and next girls lacrosse club families. It was something we offered to them uh, and they showed up by the, the dozens or hundreds to your sessions. Wanted to ask you to give an overview there and share with our listeners any takeaways you had. Yeah, we had four wonderful sessions with parents and kids, which was really fun for us because sometimes, you know, you're just talking to parents or you're just talking to kids. And um, we had really great questions being asked. I encourage everyone to go to next website because those four are posted there. The whole, the videos, um, we had PowerPoint presentations. So we started first with managing COVID, you know, what are our recommendations for how to manage COVID? And kind of, we touched on it a little bit, but it really started with trying to set some weekly goals. Again, that comes back to that piece about routine. We talked about trying to focus on controlling the controllables, right? That's an expression that a lot of people have heard before, but you'd be surprised. And sometimes I have to remind myself that the things that make us most upset and nervous are the things that are out of our control. COVID in many ways is out of our control. When you're going to get back on the field is out of our control. Um, whether you're going to be virtual, you know, next week or not is in some ways out of your control, but trying to find the top three, five things that you can control is um, part of our conversation about managing COVID. 
And again, we just try to normalize the worry and fear because no one is escaping it. And we want people to know if you're not feeling okay, um, uh, that's more the norm uh, than, than not the norm. Our second topic was on mind chatter, which as I know is something we'll talk about a little bit later, but that was the idea that, that you don't need confidence to play well. And you don't need confidence to set goals and to push through. Um, that confidence sometimes isn't as important as you might think, which is a big topic. So, and I realize people listening might be like, what are you talking about? But confidence usually comes after you do something, not before. When you're facing unprecedented times and, and nervous, you know, nervous moments, if you wait for confidence, you'll still be waiting to dodge that defender, you know, by the time that the game will be over at that point. You know, going for it and, and committing to something really takes more courage than it does confidence. And that, that seminar was on, that workshop was on Mind Chatter. I encourage people to go back and I know we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later in the pod here. The third was about being a great sports parent. Well, again, something we've touched on. Um, there's a phrase that goes around that we talked about there called positive pushing. That I do understand parents, sometimes we need to push. And sometimes we need to say, hey, it's time to turn off the electronics. It's time to come downstairs. It's time to get some exercise. And, I, and I'm not saying it's always gonna go perfectly, but trying to do that, we talked about in that seminar from a, an empathic, positive, kind of let me meet you halfway. Let's come at some decisions together rather than an angry over controlling way, which we all know just comes from fear. And um, again, any of us parents know, you know, we could get a little scared ourselves when our kids stop moving, we start to futurize and think if they don't start moving now, they're gonna be in a gutter by, their, by the time they're 25 and never ever wanna move again. And most of that is our futuristic, anxious mind at work. So we, we talked a lot about that in, the, in, the great, in being a great sports parent. And the last one was about the, the, the roller coaster of injury recovery, that it's an up and down process for many we talked about goal setting. We talked about being willing to ask for help. And that we also talked about looking for the small W's in recovery. It really is about those small W's being able to, you know, bend your knee just a little bit further and being able to celebrate that versus the mind's tendency to focus on the, on the downside, on the negative, on what we haven't done versus what we have done. So that was a big piece of our injury roller coaster seminar. Excellent. Well, I will share the link so that people can go to the blog post. They can see all four sessions and uh, as if they were there the very first time. So thank you to you and your team, uh, which I was impressed. It wasn't just you, right? Uh, can you give us a little bit more about your, your growing team? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, we had um, a woman, Lauren Rule, who's a licensed professional counselor um, who's joined the Green Psych practice about six months ago. She was out in Vail and working uh, at a ski academy and snowboard academy there and at a school. And she's joined our team and has been a wonderful addition. And I think, uh, Coop, you got to see an old friend of yours, uh, totally. Tyler Burt, um, who uh, has a lacrosse background. His family has a lacrosse background. He's a college squash player now. And he's particularly interested in the world of sports psych because he's had come over, overcome a lot personally um, to get where he is. And um, he's a wonderful, inspirational guy and a real good friend and intern at Green Psych. 
and uh, you'll see his face. Uh, and he did a great job of helping us find current players at the college level to give quotes. You know, it's one thing to hear it from an old guy like me. It's another thing for these players who are tuning in to hear it from their peers that they struggle with mind chatter. They struggle with doubt. Tyler did a great job of helping us. Thanks, Doc. I'm taking more notes as a dad and guidance counselor. You are on a roll. So thank you so much for being such an amazing professional and helping all of our families as listeners and, of course, the NXT families. Just great stuff. So we're going to roll now into our culture building segment for players. And what a unique way to look at culture building as we head into possible spring seasons, hopefully, for our student athletes. And I guess my first thought is it can vary so much from Temple to Penn to high schools that are allowing fans. You want to roll with that for a minute? Yes, I, I think you guys know that I, I I can't keep it straight myself. We've got indoor basketball teams that are allowing a parent to show up. And then we've got college teams, division one teams that won't let any parents show up. And, and then we've got Ivy League schools like Penn who aren't playing right now. So if your head is spinning, mine is, mine is too. And for the players who are playing, they're very well aware that it's like they're on, it's they're on icy uh, ground here, which is they know they're playing one week, but they're not sure what's going to happen the, the next week. Um, and they too are anxious about, uh, about, about, you know, is this, even if they have a season, is it actually going to be a season? So, you know, when you're coming back and on your way back, it's really important though, to be realistic because, and I hope when you, you know, you'll, you'll all be coming back soon, but, but if you haven't been working on your stick skills, you need to be able to come back and be honest with yourself and be honest with your coaches, which is you're going to need to ramp up and take a few weeks to kind of get those skills going again. And you'll get back. You know, for those of you who have taken time off, it's not as if you've lost the ability. Sometimes we start to think in tragic ways, like what if I've, I'll never get my skills back? What if I'll never be able to do it? It's not like your ability is gone. It's just that you haven't been working that muscle. And once you start working that muscle again, you're going to be back in business again. I want you to see the bright side of all of this. If you start trying to make futuristic predictions when you're not really working out or not trying, you're going to tend to see the worst of it. And 99.9% .9 of the time we see things out as coming out worse than they're actually going to be. Um, but the realistic piece is really important. You know, I sometimes joke with people, if you show up to the airport and your plane to Boston is going to be late and it is late and you get on that plane, you will be late going to Boston. There is nothing that will change it. You need to accept the fact that you will miss your meeting and you'll show up late to your meeting. If you haven't put the work in, I'm not getting on you about it. I just want to make sure you show up and you're not busy fighting with yourself. You're accepting where you are and looking to kind of grow from there. If you're at 80% of your ability or your, you know, your fitness, I want you to give 100% of your 80%. What I don't want to see is that 80%, you know, look, be an excuse to show up and go, well, I'm not really going to run that drill as hard because, you know, I haven't been really training or I'm not going to really work as hard on those stick drills because, you know, I'm worried about, you know, whether I'm going to drop the ball or not. It's normal to be worried. I'm not making, I'm not getting on you for that. But I love this attitude that I'm going to give 100% of my 80%, if that's where you're at, or 100% of my 90, or 100% of my 70. 
You know, you need to have a plan B. If plan A is you're 100% at 100%, great. But every athlete needs a plan B. So maybe come back to the field saying, I'm going to do plan B for a while until I get, get myself ramped up to plan A. And you will, because your coaches were going to help you get there. Your parents are going to help you get there. And um, the only thing that's missing from you getting there is consistency. Consistency is the number one uh, target for you. And once you get the consistency of working out and regularly coming to the field and doing what you need to do at home, that's all you're missing. So those are some tips and some advice I'd pass on. So as we look at culture, I guess my thought is if I take a couple different topics that are culturally based and give them to you, just ask for your quick thoughts. For example, players not having a locker room. You know, at LaSalle, the locker room was my place. That's where we made a home and we did a lot of our team bonding and t- did our book studies. And I love that place, the locker room. They might not have one. Sacred, yeah. Sacred time. Yeah, the sacred space moved. And so guys working out of their cars, changing in the parking lot. Any quick thoughts on losing your locker room as a culture change? Yeah. I, yeah. I, if I'm a coach, I want to ask the kids that we have an opportunity here. We have an opportunity, you know. Um, you know, people in Texas don't have homes, some people now, okay? So, you know, they have to figure out how to survive and make the best of a bad situation. Uh, I want my players not focusing on what they don't have. Yeah, I want, to, I want us to talk about an opportunity. How could we recreate as best as we can that experience without, without having the setting be there in front of us? That's a challenge. Okay, so the next one would be no fans. If I'm a young man who's dedicated to my art, I love being out there and performing for myself and my brothers, but now I look around and I also like playing for fans and my parents. So I guess there's two sides to this one is what are we saying to young people who look around and nobody's there and then to parents who can't be there? Yeah, well, I, um, you know, for, for parents to be there or, or who are upset about not being there, um, I do have a lot to say, you know, I, I think there's also an opportunity in this as well for parents, which is to really get that this is their sport. And don't get me wrong, I'm the father of three. I love to watch and I'm sure you do too. But you know, maybe there's this opportunity that kids could come to appreciate, you know what, honey, this is your sport. And when you have kids then coming off the field and telling you how the day went, Sometimes, you know what, I have some kids telling me that the car ride home is a lot sweeter and a lot smoother because you don't have parents going, how the heck did you not see that guy cutting down on the left side? What were you thinking when, so for parents, there may be opportunities. I'm not trying to paint every parent with a, with a brush that, you know, as if you're doing everything wrong, but, but give, you know, having your kids have some space to figure it out on their own, maybe a wonderful growth experience for them. And for the kids, I don't think kids are as bent out of shape about that as parents are, frankly, in my experience. My experience has been, and you guys tell me if you're different, they're so happy to be out there with their brothers and sisters. They're so happy to see the ball, you know, be thrown around um, that I think, um, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're accepting of the fact that this is a temporary situation and not a permanent one. I can totally relate, Mitch. I'm, I'm nodding my head and laughing a little bit as you're saying that. Um, I would say the training sessions, you know, in winter, winter indoor box were just more pure, you know, it was just the kids, just the coaches, the parents, let them go in. Um, and they came out and they, and they went, 
with smiles on their faces in both directions. So um, great stuff there. Uh, next thing I wanted to ask you is with the NCAA, the dead period, it's been extended a few times here. I'm sure you work with some high school age athletes hoping to be recruited. Um, and, you know, what are your thoughts about the, the what's going on in their head? Again, it probably relates to a lot of what you've said of control the controllables. But um, how about the pressure there for parents and kids trying to figure it out when things keep changing? You know, the first thing, Coop, I think about is um, a lot of kids are going through this, you're right, and a lot of kids aren't talking about it. And so, you know, coaches um, who do a great job um, aren't just talking about the X's and O's, but hopefully talking to some of the kids about this aspect of the game. I know it doesn't apply to everyone. Not everyone is looking to get recruited or wants to get recruited, but um Coaches, you know, I would love for you to try to create some space as the spring arrives and as summer comes around to get kids just to talk about it. You know, um, uh, sometimes that could, you know, remove 50% of the worry. You know, coaches talking about, you know, what they think the kids should be thinking about, getting kids to just share. You know, what happens a lot of times is kids think they're alone with this, right? Yeah. I can't, I thought I was the only one who thought, that, you know, I'm worried about the college coaches, you know, watching me virtually or watching me on the sidelines, whereas basically everybody has a similar fear. So um, that's the first thing that I wish, you know, it's, it's one of the things that, that I, I want to do a better job with. I see so many kids individually, as many kids as I can get in groups, like through the NXT, you know, through the format you guys provided me and other ways to get kids just to talk. The biggest, the other big piece of the puzzle without going on and on is something we're going to talk about in a minute is you're going to have mind chatter. You're going to have doubts, second guessing and negativity going into these showcase events. And it's not a sign that you're a wimp and it's not a sign that you're not prepared. I know that was a double negative. It, it's not a sign that you're not prepared. What I want kids to begin to get really good at is, is, is having chatter but not being victim to the chatter. And we'll talk about that more, I think in a few minutes um, and beginning to appreciate the challenge of it all versus focusing on the threat. And just what I mean by that in, in one sentence or two is the tendency is to just focus on the outcome. You show up to the field and you're already worried about what the outcome is gonna be, which is gonna take place two hours from now when that showcase is over. Kids are already futurizing and worrying about the outcome and will they be picked? Will they not be picked? Will they impress? Will they not impress? That's normal. That's what chatter does. And I want my kids showing up to these showcases, having a few small sub goals to focus on because you can't control the outcome of a showcase event or a game or a practice. If you could, everybody would always perform at the level they want to perform at, but nobody always performs at the level. So you can't control the results. So you wanna find the small pieces. And that's how I often will help people manage the chatter first, focus on the small pieces. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Those are some of the important pieces for showcase events coming up um, you know, in the next few months. Great, thank you. All right, as we move into our guest roundtable with Doc here, I thought we'd start off with examining the difference and similarities between mindfulness and mind chatter. And I know you're well-versed in both. So could you help our listeners through a little bit how they're the same, how they're different, 
and kind of, I guess, which one you're, you're not favoring, but you, you kind of work with more in your, in your world. Yes, both, you know, when we talk about mindfulness, um, we're talking about present moment awareness. That's really kind of the definition, the simple definition of, of being mindful is being aware of, of where your feet are, where your head is, is all kind of in, in, in the current moment. And we all know how difficult that can be sometimes. And especially during COVID, our minds, as we've touched on, is, is everywhere. So a mindfulness approach like a Headspace app or a Calm app works to help uh, uh, anyone um, be able to notice that they're having thoughts, uh, but not buy into every thought that they have. I'm having the thought that I don't know if I'm going to be in shape enough to show, show up back on the field in a way that I want to. And instead of panicking about that, being able to say to oneself, you know what, that's the thought I'm having. Um, so um, there, being able to separate yourself from your thoughts is the approach in, in a nutshell that mindfulness takes and then being able to bring yourself back to something more in the present moment. The, the mindfulness piece isn't staring at something like the Buddha and having one thought. The actual, the actual mindfulness is noticing that your mind is drifting and being non-judgmental about the fact that it's moving in a different direction towards what could go wrong and calmly and gently bringing it back, noticing in a non-judgmental way and bringing it back. My approach with athletes dovetails with mindfulness in that I want athletes to know that under certain conditions, their mind is going to chat. The two conditions very quickly are uncertainty and when there's a lot at stake. So if you're watching Netflix in your bed tonight, I don't know if you're going to have a lot of mind chatter. I hope not, because while you don't know what's going to happen in the show, I'm hoping there's not a lot at stake for you in terms of what happens to your favorite character. But boom, you show up to the field and you show up and there's coaches watching. Well, now we have uncertainty and now we have the conditions where there's a lot. You feel like there's a lot at stake. What's at stake? Will I get recruited? Will they be impressed with me? Will I screw up? Will I not screw up? Will he do better than me? Will she do better than me? So understanding that those negative chattery voices will show up gives you the ability to plan for having them. And then my approach in terms of being a mindful approach is actually um, is being, act, being able to sort of say to those mind chattery thoughts, thanks for sharing. In other words, being able to say, I'm showing up to the field trying to kick ass. I understand that my mind chatter isn't interested in my agenda. My mind chatter works to get me to worry about all the possible things that could go wrong. And it shows up right on cue. I did an Ironman several years ago, a big triathlon event. I had plenty of chatter. I looked at my watch before I jumped into the ocean for the 2.4 mile swim. And I smiled to myself. I was nervous as heck. And I said to my chatter, thanks for sharing. I knew you'd show up. And by being able to do that, you're able to kind of take the energy out of it. And then you're able to shift your focus, as we talked about a little bit earlier, on the things that you can control. In my case, in an Ironman, it was how many strokes per minute I wanted to make, you know, how I wanted to breathe. If you're a lacrosse player, it's, you know, what are my two goals for this first, for this first game or this first practice? Maybe it has to do with how quick I'm going to move my feet 
how much I want to communicate, how well I want to ride, you know, how much I want to, you know, be an aggressive rider, um, whatever those particular goals are for the athlete. But you can't really focus on goals. This is just a mistake. People sometimes focus on goals, but they haven't yet cleared the mind of the chatter. And they do it, they do it, they do put the cart before the horse. You need to manage the chatter first, which means knowing you're going to have doubts and letting those doubts kind of come and go in order to be able to focus on the goals. I hope that made some sense. No, that was great. Totally. It got me thinking of the clip of uh, Aaron Donald from the LA Rams, and he's kind of hyping himself up. He's asking himself some questions. And, you know, I would define it as self-talk, but I think, you know, affirmations, mind chatter. Um, do you know the video I'm, I'm speaking of? And, and what is that? Why is he doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Aaron Donald is a good example of someone who's getting himself hyped up. Now, Aaron, I don't know Aaron Donald, obviously, but Aaron Donald, you know, if it's authentic, in other words, if there are people sometimes trying to hype themselves up, but behind the scenes, they're really on themselves and negative. All that hyping up that Aaron Donald's doing wouldn't work for somebody who's really behind the scenes struggling to keep their chatter under control. Again, for Aaron Donald, it seems to be like it works pretty well. I think he was reminding himself of the work. He's already feeling yeah. like he's here and he just wants to get to here. You know, you, people can't see me. He's at a one level and he wants to just raise it even higher. But my work on mind chatter is for those people who are tried the positive thinking approach and it doesn't work. In fact, hopefully people by the end of the year, you'll see my book out on mind chatter oh, wow. where we're going to talk a lot in depth about this, which is it's for these people who who've tried to think positive and can't, it can't, doesn't stick for people who, who, um, who keep having chatter and then they have chatter about the fact that they're having chatter. And before you know it, they're practice players to the max, but when the lights are on, they struggle to show up. Aaron Donald doesn't sh struggle to show up on game day. These are the guys and gals who coaches say and parents know, you know what, I'm getting 70% of them and that, that missing 30% is because they need more help managing the doubts. Boy, some athletes, as we look around at the collegiate level, especially the professional level, have mastered this, which is what gives them that last step advantage um, and others haven't. It was funny, in, in school today, we were actually watching a clip of Muhammad Ali, and I guess he would be just one of the best ever at this, right, Doc? Yeah. We were, we were actually looking at his conscience and standing for issues of the 60s. Um, but in, within all those clips, it's him talking and talking himself up, and it's mesmerizing, actually, to watch. But people should know, I mean, certain people like Muhammad Ali are, are kind of one of a kind, and Aaron Donald might be a kind of a one-of-a-kind player, but a lot of athletes, even at the professional level, have chatter. Um, and um, for some, though, what they do is they just don't, they don't see it as a problem. They see it as part of the, it's part of the competition picture, which is one of the things we talk about. Yeah, it's part of competition. No, it doesn't show up in practice, but it might also show up when you try to ask a girl or a guy out for a date. Why? Because there's uncertainty and there's kind of a lot at stake. It's part of that, you know, that shows up in predictable ways. Um, I was going to say one more thing about it. Um, but people should know if that's your issue kind of showing up in the field, we can help you with it. We can help you manage your chatter, which can help you play at the level that you think you're capable of. Dr. Green, one thing I took away from our talk last year was Bill and 
his mindfulness moment every day, walking to LaSalle practice and just kind of taking a, a couple seconds and remembering the word may, uh, meaning that, you know, his focus on was on the end of the season and, uh, you know, the, the small baby steps to get there. Um, but really may. And I think for me, one thing I took away was just questioning my purpose on the way to some of my different coaching assignments. I coach everyone from little guys at cradle lacrosse where they're just learning the game to, you know, guest coaching with our high school guys where, uh, you know, think things are a little bit more important and intense, uh, and everything in between. So on the drive out, just reminding myself, you know, I'm coaching third graders today, you know, be, be a fun coach, or, um, I'm not coaching third graders today. You know, we have, we have an important game. I have to get these guys in and just, um, you know, would that be considered mindfulness? Um, yeah, that- self-awareness. Yes, just being self, more self-aware. You know, Coop, I'll tell you a quick story. When my girls were seven, I have twins. They played in a girls' basketball league. It was like, and it was really meant to be, uh, you know, you didn't keep score. Sure. It was really about <laughs> learning the fundamentals. You know, they could barely reach the basket. And um, my one daughter was waiting for a re- standing under the basket for a rebound. And Vol's starting to come and she's twirling her hair. And I yell, I was coach. I yelled, Tasha, what are you doing? And it was that moment I'll never forget because I thought, wow, look at me getting swept up in this, just like anyone else could get swept up. I'm no different than, than anyone else. And it really, I'll never forget it because it, it, it taught me that time that I need to pause because especially when you're, when it's your own kids and for coaches, they're like your kids, of course, <laughs> when it's your own kids, we easily can get overly attached to the outcomes. We easily could get over attached to, 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 um, to impressing, to winning. And um, I love that you're taking a pause. You guys can see the audience can't see. I have grateful and patient sitting on my desk. So when I sit down on my computer, I take a pause and I have never meditated or journaled as much as I have over the past year, basically during COVID. I've, I've had to slow to intentionally slow myself down to coop because um, I have worries just like everybody else about society, my kids, you know, my family, my, the, my patients. So um, we don't hit the pause button enough. Um, and uh, I'm glad, you know, you're passing that on to people who are listening because um, I cannot say enough in this, technology age where you can be on a screen for every moment. If you can go inside and be more self-aware, you're going to show up more for your kids in the way that you want to show up for them, whether you're a coach or a parent. You do my heart good, dad, because it was only seven, eight years ago that I was in the same boat cheering on my daughter. All of a sudden, dad Leahy had lost his mind and become coach Leahy, which is not a good sight. And I'm yelling for her to pass the ball. And as she did, and the ball went upfield, she then turned, and I'm sitting on the sideline with a bunch of other parents. And she said, hey, Dad, you worry about you, and I'll worry about me. And all the parents looked at me and were like, ooh, we got you. <laughs> but at that moment, I was put right in my place that I should be cheering for her and saying, you know, did you serve your sisters today, and did you have fun? So... Thanks for making me feel normal, Doc. That you <laughs> if I did it, that means you're normal, right? <laughs> Dr. Green, I, I've heard that you've begun to tiptoe into working with the Premier Lacrosse League. Could you tell us more about that? Well, what I can tell you is I've had some really great conversations with Brian Silcott, who I know is a podcast guest. 
Um, and I can say that the Premier Lacrosse League takes very seriously the mental health of their players. Um, while they're concerned about helping them in the performance realm, uh, the PLL is going to lead the way um, or follow the lead of some other professional sports organizations, really, I should say, and, and be developing a program for the players and the coaches because um, they, have, they have as much stress as anyone else. Um, and uh, that program will be around educating players about what are the signs uh, if you're struggling and where can you get support and resources if you need help. So um, um, that's what I could say. They've, they're doing a great job trying to move the needle. And our last question for you in our guest roundtable here would have to do, of course, with social media and its power. And we're all locked up and guys and girls are on their phones and seeing a world that's partially true. And so any advice for our teenagers and our listeners and even our parents, how to better manage social media make sure you put it away and walk away and, and maybe not take it so seriously? Yeah, you know, I, I always appreciated a psychologist um, talked about, you know, there's, fo there's FOMO, but really now there's a pandemic of FOPO, which is fear of other people's opinions. And um, there's a guy named Dr. Michael Gervais out, out West, um, who has a podcast, by the way, called Finding Mastery that I, that I recommend. I've listened to that. Um, yeah, he's, he does a great job and has some great guests. Um, and social media is just, um, <clears throat> a, 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 can be quite a toxic place for kids who are susceptible to, to FOPO um, um, because you see people kind of saying things and living lives that um, are more of a highlight reel uh, than a, a reality. Um, you know, I would encourage kids if you can, I see my own kids trying to do this, whether it's TikTok or Instagram, you know, there are actual places you can go that can give you a balance to the, to the, you know, um, to the messages that you might be getting on other websites or other social media sites that really are, that again, are more the highlight reel and, and more FOPO inducing than anything else. There's one called the hidden opponent. Again, that's very much around mental health. Um, but this young woman who was a college athlete, uh, Victoria Garrick, uh, a TED talk speaker, uh, just keeps it real. She talks about she was a high level performer, but behind the scenes, she struggles uh, with, with things just as much as anyone else in terms of everything from eating issues to anxiety and, and worry about her future. So, um, uh, you know, I'm happy to try to provide a list um, of different sites like The Hidden Opponent. Um, there's another guy uh, running a group. His name is Eric Cusson. Uh, out of New York. Um, uh, they go by a couple of names, but believe it or not, at one point it was, but we're all a little crazy. <laughs> um, and he's a, he's a wonderful guy who also is putting out really great content on social media that is a counterbalance. You know, he talks about, it's not one in five people who struggle, it's five in five people who struggle. Everybody struggles mm -hmm. with something. And he's doing an amazing job also putting out a message that um, is a counterbalance to the messages that kids are getting on their phones. The last thing I'll say is for parents, and I, as I said, I'm a parent too, is we cannot be hypocrites. You can't be sitting there at dinner having being on your phone or when TV's on, just sitting there on your phone and expect your kids to get off. Um, if your message um, is a hypocritical one, uh, you won't have much 
legs to stand on in any effort to get your kids to, to dial it back. Um, um, and now there are, like as of very recently, there are some restrictions you could put on kids' phones um, in terms of how much time they can get on Instagram or social media sites. Um, I'm a big fan of those. Great insights. So now we roll into our end, which I always enjoy, which is our rapid fire next homework section. Let's go! However, you're a second timer here, so this is the turbo version, Doc. You ready to roll? I think so. All right. What homework do you have for a player who's listening? Before every, when they wake up and they leave for school, well, I know some people aren't leaving or they leave for the field. A very simple exercise is take a piece of paper. On one side, write what's important. On the other side of the paper, write what's not important. Get out of your head and write down the things that you know are important and matter to you as you launch into your day or into your practice and write down the things that aren't important to you. For example, is it important to you what everyone else thinks? Is it important to you that you need to be perfect? Is it important to you that you help people today? Is it important to you that you give your all and give your best? I, I can't stress enough the simplest exercise, a homework exercise like that can pay huge dividends for somebody to help get their mind right as they walk out the door. For parents who are listening, what's their homework? Same thing. Same thing. Just like Coop said, he has to hit no, be mindful to hit the pause button. This is just another way to hit the pause button, to stop just trying to think your way out of what you're going to be doing and get your, get, you know, the, the, there's the, what you write on the page is often a big truth teller. The truth often comes out on the page. So I encourage parents to write and do this exercise alongside your kids. You can keep it to yourself and do the same thing. What's important to you today? What do you value today? And where is it that you think you're going to be pulled away from? And just writing it down may help keep you, you know, moving down the right path. So is that the same homework for coaches or do you have something different for them? Same. Let's leave it the same. Let's everybody take some time to remind ourselves what's important, what matters to us, you know, what we value, and, and just writing down the things that we, we don't value and aren't important to us begins to put you a little bit more on top of your problems than your problems being on top of you. I know Coop and I both value you and your insights and your time, and we're very grateful. So at least in my section here, what are the last uh, things you've been reading or listening to? Well, you know, along the lines of mental health, which is really what I've been spending a lot of time talking with people about because performances, you know, the kids have struggled to get on the field one way or the other. Uh, there's a runner, an Olympic runner from Greece. Her name is Alexi Pappas. Uh, she wrote a book called Bravey. Um, and I would encourage anyone to listen to a podcast with her, pick up her book. Um, Rich Roll does a wonderful podcast. If you know Rich Roll, he does a podcast with Alexi. And she talks about like having to come to terms with the fact that she has to look at her depression that she struggles with as kind of like if you have a, a hurt ankle um, and you need to get it fixed. Um, having depression is kind of like, she calls it like an injury or an insult to the brain. She needed to finally come to grips that she needed to learn to come and talk about it. She's very real. She's very smart. She's very funny. And, um, and 
um, and very humble um, and an Olympian. And um, there are a lot of great messages. So I'm spending a lot of time tracking what Alexi's doing right now. Thank you, Dr. Green. You're a real wizard. Uh, we always leave these conversations feeling a lot better. So I want to thank you for again for your friendship, your time, and your service. We're really looking forward to your book. Uh, we'll definitely be excited to share more details about that whenever you pass them on to us. Um, friendly homework for you. You know, consider adding the next logo to your partners on the website. We love working with you. You've been a tremendous resource for our families and, uh, you know, really looking forward to continuing to learn from you. Thank you. Thank you. Again, we'll share the notes uh, from your winter wellness series as we post this episode. Any other links you want to send us, we're happy to share. And behalf of Coach Leahy, Justin, and everyone else at Next, thank you and good night. Good night. Thank you. Doc, you're a rock star, okay? Just want to say that. You're amazing.